0: Hello, hello, and hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode, if not, not when. Today, oh my goodness, I have such an honor to have Preston James on the show with us. Preston, he is a co-founder and CEO of Devink, the first early-stage tech startup started in Texas, focused exclusively for people of color and women tech founders. And today, since its launch 2016, wow, it has helped launch 63 companies across Texas, also helped 300 plus female leaders in the Texas. With that, everybody, I am so excited. Thank you so much, President, for joining us and welcome to the show.
1: Oh, well, thank you. It's it's a pleasure, long time coming, so um, I'm really super excited to be here. So thank you.
0: <laughs> of course. So Preston, tell us, you know, bring this back to the journey. How how does all the magic get started? How do you grow up?
1: Well, I am, um, you know, even though I'm, I'm based in Austin, Texas right now, and I've been in Austin since 1997, so you can do the math on that, right? Um But I am a native New Yorker. I was born in the Bronx, New York, and uh, spent half of my uh, youth years in the Bronx, New York, and then also grew up in sort of like the suburban Rockland County area outside of New York City. And uh, and then um, I uh, went to college at Howard University in Washington DC, which is a predominantly a uh, so historically black college university. Um and um and then you know some years after I graduated from from Howard as a mechanical engineering major, um I ended up getting a job at uh Dell uh technolog- it's called Dell Technologies Now um and I started at Dell in 1993. Mm. out of Washington, D.C., and then um, was in the D.C. area for a year, moved to Atlanta, Georgia with Dell for another three and a half years, and then also came down to Austin in 1997, which I thought would be a short-term stay, of maybe a couple of years, um, and ended up, you know, being here, you know, some -some 20-some-odd years later. Um, But I really interesting you know question you asked me about my my upbringing um i grew up you know for those who've spent time in in new york new york is quite diverse of course it has its pockets of you know where you have uh very homogeneous communities but um on the street that i lived on east 232nd street um you know we had probably everything on my block right i mean you we had Jewish folks, we had Catholic folks, we had Muslims in terms of religion, Baptist, you know, um, and then, you know, white, black, Puerto Rican, you know, Dominican, uh, you know, you name it, it was on that, on that block. And it was interesting because, you know, we played together, you know, we ate together, we, we fought each other. Um, but at the end of the day, we were all neighbors getting along. So I knew very early on, not what diversity was, but I knew early on, you know, to just embrace and welcome people as they are, right? So that came sort of naturally, but very early. Um, and then when I moved out into the suburban area, was um, a predominantly white community that I lived in. But the high school, the the schools that I had gone to, because they were pulling from various small towns right around the school area, was very diverse. So, um, you know, it was probably 60 percent white, maybe 65 percent white and then everything else. Right. So it's a big mix of everything. But we all kind of got along, you know, really, really well. And even to this day, if we had a high school reunion, you know, you can see people just come back together. And so I think that was really the key part of my upbringing um, in terms of who I am and and, and what I'm about. Um, And I know that diversity and inclusion can be because I've already lived it, you know what I mean? So it is possible, it's doable, it's valuable. And, um, it's beautiful, right? And so that's that's you know really, you know uh, a little bit about about me.
0: Mm, I love that. so, Preston, what does diversity inclusion mean for you? Is it like you said about you grew up in a street where it's like a brother and sister, we all just like together and we all share meals, share ideas. like how, how do you describe that in your words?
1: it's It's really embracing all people embracing all cultures and embracing all types of thought um you know um and respecting it and appreciating it for what it is right um and everyone has different um backgrounds and history and everything i think it's it's just wonderful in in in, in something great to be able to appreciate and understand those different elements that make up the individual that you're dealing with, right? Or that you're engaged with or you're friends with. I mean, I think that's special, right? That's what makes everybody unique. That's what makes life, you know, um, just amazing is to get all those experiences and get that engagement and really understand, you know, what makes tick or what makes that individual tick right um and, and if you're part of an environment that embraces that and welcomes that and is okay with that that's what it's all about
0: mm, you know, I love that
1: value it yeah
0: I really enjoy that person and the way how I see it, you know, today we're both in Austin, Texas, which is that I love so much. I love our motto says, um, keep Austin weird. And the way how I see it is, I'm weird, you are weird, she is weird, he is weird in our own way, because we are all so different, whether it's culture, the background, food, I love to eat, my morning routine could be all the things, but exactly like you said, when we all keep the uniqueness of who we are, that made the world so interesting and so beautiful. So I love that.
1: It is, and it's interesting because our differences, I recognize the fact that our differences do make people nervous. Right, because it's, it's it's sort of like that unknown factor, like, I, you know, you're not familiar to me, right? And you're different from me. And so it makes people nervous or uncomfortable. And um, I get that. I mean, I understand that, right? Um, but I think if we, you know, we all assume, you know, our, assume good first, Right, as opposed to bad, negative, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not an alien from Mars we're dealing with here. It's just <laughs> another, you know, it's just another human being. But ultimately, you know, I use the alien, and it is funny, right? But let's just say there are aliens out there. The reality is, you know, we fear that, right? Because all of our lives we hear about aliens, aliens, and we think mm-hmm. that, right? They're coming to destroy, take over, and you know, um, a different perspective might be, you know, let's check it out. You know, <laughs> that's you know, mm-hmm. where they all about. You know, maybe they have better music or what. I mean, we don't know. I'm just using that as a really yeah. bad example, mm-hmm. but it's, it's that that nervousness, that fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. that keeps, you know, and, and, and bringing in the biases and, and um,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, uh, racial aspects into it. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessary, but a lot of it is based on ignorance and fear and, and you know, uh, mm-hmm. the unknown factors.
0: Well said, Preston. And I think you are 100% right there. You know, sometimes when we met something unknown or foreign, you know, subconsciously, we would like, oh my God, what's happening? Like, if I first time try Italian food, which when I did, they gave me a, like olive oil with bread. I was like, what is happening right now? This is so confusing. So, oh my God, I was... <laughs> I totally get it. But I really love the point that you said about, you know, say we first try a new restaurant, we first met Alien, we first met another, you know, culture or cuisines or people, all that. Instead of like tense up, if we can just relax and just get curious and just find (laughs) out, well, who they are? What music do they do do they listen to? What kind of bread do they like to eat? Like, isn't yeah. that so much fun? And the way how I see it is, isn't that why we love to travel, whether it's domestically, travel to a different part of Texas or venture right. to New York, venture to Florida? We like to see new different things. I think that's who we are as a human beings.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I, I agree. I, I just feel like it's interesting, you know, here in this country, in other countries too, people travel from one country to another. But when you listen to people, they go and they want to experience the food and the music and the people and the culture. I'm like, well, how is that different than doing that here in the United States? You know, I was like, you know, I mean, Mike. you have Chinese, Asian, Indian. You go to their country and you, you're, you're open and you want to see mm-hmm. well, it's the same thing here. Right. And as humans, I think, you know, all of us, for the most part, want mm-hmm. the same things.
2: And yeah. we are
1: we're all made up really the kind of the same way, right? I mean, mm. we all sleep, we all eat, we all go to the bathroom, we all, <laughs> I mean, we're, not, we're pretty much the same, we're just
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: slightly different, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we should be able to embrace that uh, and not be fearful of it.
0: I really love that, um, President. I have a theory. I think we all exactly same, have exact evidence shows that, okay? I'm Chinese, I'm Asian, and I love my dumplings, okay? And I'm pretty sure, in my personal p- p- perspective, our people invented dumplings, right? But yeah. when I look at the world, there are different types of dumpling ideas all around the world, right? I eat dumplings in China. We have, you know, wonderful things. But you look at South America, they have empanadas. It's like the same idea. You look at Europe, you had maybe it's called yoki. I can I'm not sure if I pronounce it right, right? The same idea. It's like the same dumpling. So really, I think I invented. They probably may invent it. But at end of the we all enjoy the idea of dumplings. And what you said earlier about we are exactly on the same journey because the way how I see it, yes, we might be different culture, different perspective, different job, different gender, different tall, different hair color. But we all our own journey to finding the path for ourselves, making the impact small or big in our own, you know, aspect and really just enjoy life. So I 100% agree right. with that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, it's awesome. That's how I try to approach, you know, approach life, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in general. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. And, it, and if you ask, okay, where did it come from? I mean, you know, both, both of my parents, my mom um, was with a teacher uh, my father, you know, went to college. He also was a, is also a veteran. Um, and both of them passed away when, you know, at an early age. And uh, so for me, I got, you know, I got, I think, a lot from them early on, not knowing that I got a lot from them early on, right? And um, mm. And, you know, my mother being a teacher, obviously being able to, you know, teach kids and treat kids and, you know, all Mm -hmm. kids, right? Mm -hmm. My father was just a, you know, real open and social guy who had a very tough upbringing. And so despite that, Mm -hmm. you know, he was, you know, charming, he was engaging, but at the same time, he was um, very deeply connected to what life is like being a poor Black person. In the United States and working hard to get where he can get, you know, to take care of his family. And, you know, being uh, as a Black male, that, that is the responsibility to make sure the family is taken care of mm-hmm. and, so on and so forth. So, you know, the 13 years I had with him, the 22 years I had with my mother, wow, I was able to pick up, you know, mm-hmm. that little bit and, and carry on the best that I I, I, I think I knew, right? And I'm still mm. learning, right? But um, you know, I think that's where a lot of it a lot of it mm-hmm. came.
0: How does that experience impacting you? Because, you know, you said that you have a you know, that you your father was not with you for you know, right, the first thirteen years versus your mother twenty two years. How does that impacting you and who you are today as a leader?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, in a in a lot of different ways, but I think for the most part um, I think I learned that what what doesn't, you know, <laughs> essentially, what what, what doesn't um, necessarily break you will actually strengthen you, right? Mm. And I also learned, you know, for those who are religious or spiritual, mm. that, you know, um, God is not going to give me more than what I can actually handle. And so I had to believe in that, even though I was very, um, I was very angry as a young, as a young boy, you know, from age 13 Mm -hmm. to 12, I was angry and Mm -hmm. uh, didn't understand why, you know, my father was taken so early Mm -hmm. and over time surrounding myself with, you know, know, some peers, some who had gone through something similar, some who didn't. That, that provided me a good core group of strong friends mm-hmm. that helped me through sort of like the tough periods, indirectly or directly, right? And mm-hmm. um, and then I think the other piece was having a younger sister
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, didn't allow me to take the shortcut out, right? It didn't allow me to be mm-hmm. weak. Right. It, it, uh, it, it said to me that I have to be strong for mm-hmm. her. I have to set an example for her. So mm-hmm. forward is is up. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to get there, but, you know, um, but I just had to keep pushing. So I think that's
2: mm-hmm.
1: kind of what I, you know, took from that just ba- as basic survival. Right. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. You know, you got to go forward no matter what that is. You just got to keep going. And, um, make you know put your head down and, and go
0: wow i can definitely see that experience that those challenges really shape you is who you are today not only you are a leader in such a young age have to really step up to lead whether it's your family or your sister or anything around you that's one and secondly i can also see why you have such a compassion today to every person you meet because you've been through such a, a challenging time in such a young age
2: Yeah.
1: And and it allowed me to make a lot of mistakes, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I made a lot of mistakes um, along the way, you know, as a young male trying to figure out, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but I think at the core, it was Mm -hmm. always about, you know, treating people right. You know, Mm -hmm. no matter what, it was about trying to treat people with respect, right? It's always, Mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't a belligerent, you know, type of person getting in trouble, even though I did get in trouble once, real big trouble. But my mom saved me. She saved me on that one. You know, just treating people with respect, like you, you know, like you want mm-hmm. them to treat you. And um, and, and I think that's, you know, from from my professional career at uh, no matter my mm-hmm. professional career as well as what we've done with David, that's always mm-hmm. been really core part of the mm-hmm. Culture that I built as a leader in corporation, and I was also Mm -hmm. at Devink,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: is is that culture of acceptance and empathy and respect, Mm -hmm. communication, transparency, empowerment, right? Mm. Voice, right? To enable Mm. people. So it it all kind of feeds in there, if you will. Yeah.
0: I love that person. You such um, you speak such integrity. I can tell that you are man of your words, and you always do things that align with your core value and authenticity and you know being kind and always do the right thing. So, I love that about you. You know, with that person, I'm curious. You know, at what part of journey do you ever thought you want to be a entrepreneur or venture into entrepreneur world? How does that idea come about?
1: Well, you know, it was interesting because um. My career at Dell, I got started in IT technology consulting and sales at Dell, right? So it's like a pre-sales guy and uh going in, talking to customers. And I think my, my drive at that time was to help business customers solve problems leveraging technology, right? And at that at that point it was Dell Technology Products Services. And so that was always the driving force. And, um, you know, did a lot of different roles and then got into leadership where I was managing those types of resources. And, you know, being able to support all sort of customer segments and different industries um, had regional, national, and also global roles um, in, in that capacity. And, my, you know, I had a um, uh, senior le- leadership role uh, managing some sales teams that were driving like $250 million in the federal segment of the business. Well, my role after that, well, two roles after that, I came across this opportunity to become the managing director for the Global Center for Entrepreneurship, which is sort of a funny story in itself, because um, I had met the entrepreneur, the first ever entrepreneur in residence that Dell had hired. And she was basically hired by, you know, basically this was like a, a hire that was done at the highest levels, Michael and Steve Foley. So he was senior CEO and then a senior executive that reported Michael hired this entrepreneur in residence. So she and I were at this conference together and this mutual friend said, hey, the two of you need to meet. And we sort of gave, you know, gave each other the side eye, you know, like, you know, who who are you? Why do I need to meet you? Like, you know. And so we ended up meeting and talking. And uh, I mean, it was crazy, but we ended up talking for like two hours. Wow. Like, we were supposed to be doing stuff at the conference. We were like, oh, my God, we got to go. We have to go go do the conference, you know. And uh, from that point, we became really good friends and started working together. But I didn't officially come to her team. She asked me to come over to help her grow this entrepreneur initiative, um, and so I did. And in that role, basically, the initiative was to uh, help tech startup entrepreneurs scale and grow their business, leveraging Dell technology. And uh, so I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do that part, you know, no problem. But it was a different, different space. And um, uh, long story short, I got bit by the startup bug uh, because there was so much awesome, int- you know, innovation that was happening. It was like, this is crazy, right? And you know how we could help them leverage, scale, and grow. And then the whole investment piece was coming in, which I didn't totally understand. And just watching some of these companies just, you know, wow, just go through the roof. Um, and, uh, I was like, okay, this is where I want to be. This is where I belong in sort of like in this space. Why? Because interestingly, the vast majority of my career, because when I say I was with Dell, everybody thinks of big Dell, right? But I joined Dell when Dell was pretty much a high growth startup, mm-hmm. got 2,000 and 3,000 employees when I came on board and mm. they were hiring about a hundred people a month. Wow. So that was Dell when I joined net Dell a hundred thousand, you know, a hundred thousand employees. And so all of my previous employers were small businesses or tech startups, which I didn't know. Um, and so it made sense that I would be drawn to this startup space. I didn't really put those pieces together until after I left out. You know, I was like, oh, my God, my whole career was been with small businesses and startups. Mm-hmm. It totally makes sense. This is where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And um, even though I'm a, I was never an entrepreneur myself, right? And it's like, oh, I don't want to be in this space. I don't going to figure something out. And so I left Dow uh, in 2014 to venture into this tech startup community. Had no idea what I was gonna do. Uh, didn't have anything lined up, but because they had a early leave package, I took that to say this will be my time to explore. And so I did that. And um, you know, the, the next part of that was why you know, how did you get into debate, right? It's mm. like, where did that come from? And it really kind of hit me really hard as I left out was that there was a lack of diversity in the tech startup community. I wasn't seeing founders of color, not many women, um, certainly not a whole lot of investors of color. Um, and... Uh, you know, it was just like very weird to me that that not weird, but like okay, here we go again, right? Because we had that similar experience in corporate America, right? In terms of executive leadership and mm-hmm. things. Like Why aren't there more people of color? You know, so I was like, okay, this has the same feel, but I felt like okay, this maybe this I, I I can do I could probably do something about this maybe. You know, I can try. And so I did research to try to understand why this was the case and, you know, whether or not it even mattered, right? Is this something, doesn't even matter? Or should we just let things go as they are? So what did you find out? Yeah, I mean, it was like, you know, so what? I mean, all these people doing startups, you know, black people, brown people, you know, are not participating, is that a big deal? And at the end of the day, you know, the research is basically like, hey, this is how we create jobs. This is how, in some ways, we create wealth. This is how we create revenue, right? This is how we create innovation. And people of color and women weren't participating in that, in, in the grand. And then on top of that, the investments weren't being made. So the billions of dollars that were being invested in the companies, they weren't being made to people of color and women, so like, whoop, 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 you know, alarms were going off, and I was like, we, we, "We've got to, we've got to fix this. This is, this is not right."
0: What inspired you from that moment on? Recognize there's a gap in the industry, and decide you want to be the change you want to see in the world.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> that was a sort of a. a a little bit of an interesting, somewhat painful process. And I say painful because despite the information that I had in front of me, despite the experiences, um, one thing I didn't share, I also became an angel investor at that around after I left out. And so I was seeing everything firsthand, right? I was doing mental office hours. I was doing all of that. So my personal experience told me this is a problem. And then my the research told me, this is a problem. And, you know, in my mind, you know, I thought, okay, I have to do something, but I was sort of fighting it to, you know, I didn't necessarily mean for me to go do something, or, or, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I had to be part of something. I didn't have to be it, you know what I mean? So I was sort of fighting that aspect but um, it's that that feeling and the the message from above was like you know sort of tapping me on the shoulder and kept tapping me whether i was awake whether i was asleep whatever i was doing it was always tapping me and just saying you know this is something you have to do and so i had to listen to that and i was like okay well i'm going to i'm going to try i'm going to start And what a lot of people don't know, Wend, is that my first foray to address this issue was to try to start a angel network uh, that would invest in underrepresented Mm -hmm. founders. Suffice it to say, we didn't get it off the ground, right? Uh, We tried for about nine months or so, but we couldn't get a real critical mass of Mm -hmm. investors. And I I, I learned my mistakes from that process. The wonderful part of that whole Mm -hmm. process and trying to make that happen is I realized that the funding capital was not the end all be all, Mm -hmm. right, all that needed to be done um, to help underrepresented entrepreneurs. And so the concept of DevInc was born out of how do we remove these barriers that exist within the ecosystem to provide better access to better resources and opportunities for underrepresented founders. So Mm -hmm. DevAge was born out of of that, right? Out of that, okay, Mm -hmm. the agent network didn't work,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. but this is gonna probably work better because this is what's actually needed, right? Mm -hmm. right? I mean, it wasn't, you know, so, I think we came in at a time where we were just really honing in on what is the gap,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, what's the gap in the ecosystem? What's missing mm-hmm. specifically for underrepresented founders where we can turn the tide and make mm-hmm. a difference? And so Divink was born out of that
0: amazing so with that um now you see what doesn't work and what worked now you move forward with the divine division what is the hardest part of now starting a you know accelerator
1: the hardest part um i mean we i think that the hardest part is <laughs> for me i think is i want to be able to wave a magic wand right and you know
2: Ooh, that is more I,
1: you know, and just go boom. You know, Div is everywhere, right? Just there it is, and um, it, it doesn't happen that way, right? Um, so you have to, you have to build it, you have to grow it, you have to scale it, and uh, you know, part of me is really anxious. I want I wanna help as many entrepreneurs worldwide as I possibly can, as we possibly can. And um, so I want to go, I I, want to go really, I want to go faster, but, you know, it takes time. It takes time. And, um, and, you know, that's, that's, Mm. that's the tough part about it is Mm. I I, I want this to have a generational impact, right? I want this something to be laid down as a, foundation across, you know, the U.S. or across the world that just gets implemented in. It's it just it's just sets the foundation for the future mm-hmm. generations.
0: I and, love uh, that. Yeah. And for our uh, audience who may be not as familiar with DeVink, um, can you tell us a little bit more about DeVink, um, how the founder finds you, and then also I'd love to hear about what is the future impact you are envisioning. For the wink,
1: yeah. The the vision. I mean, right now, when we're we're focused, our primary focus is at the early stage of the entrepreneurship journey for underrepresented founders. So, if you think about it, we're we want to help those that at that ideation stage. So for all those people who have ideas, they just don't know where to go, who to go to, who to, you know, where to t- you know, who to talk to. We want to provide a space for them at the ideation stage, and then take them through you know if they have validated their idea um, to, to get that a minimal viable product, and then help them build a business where they're getting their early customers right. So they're at the pre seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, help them even get to the seed stage. So DevInk, mm-hmm. if you think about Inc. is providing that platform to for, for founders to avoid those pitfalls in the early part of the journey and get as many of those founders to that pre-seed, seed stage. And... <laughs> and build that right and so Mm -hmm. today we're almost just about finished that with the validation lab for ideation stage we have the the accelerator program we have our portfolio program and then we're going to introduce a um two more things we'll call a venture studio which would be for those companies that are coming out of accelerator that are just have a hockey stick, they're ready to like go, right? And looking for that seed stage funding, pre-seed money. And then the second thing we're gonna introduce is an investment fund for early stage, for our portfolio and for those outside of our portfolio. So Mm -hmm. that's gonna be our core product offering, if you will
2: incredible you
1: want to take that you want to take that programming infrastructure Mm -hmm. and replicate that to as many cities Mm -hmm. across the u.s or across the globe wow
0: amazing um and today you know president you have you know personally also you know with the team right you know supporting so many founders go through Diving and uh you know see them take off you know and i'm curious what is uh, among all the founders, what are maybe um, what what is the number one biggest pitfall you see founders make in that process?
1: I, I think you know. Oftentimes, we want to do things our way and by ourselves. And mm. as much as I do appreciate that, and I know that feeling. Um, I, I say to people, this is not a journey, you know, for by yourself and you know only by me. It, it's that's not one of those journeys. There's mentors along the way. There's connections to be made. There's access to um, to to customers and things of that sort. You you really need to be part of a community and a network. That that can help. That goes beyond just your network of friends.
2: Mm. Build it
1: outside, um, and it's a necessity. Um, I think it's essential mm-hmm. uh, to make that happen. So, I always encourage the founders to to come be part of a network, whether it's diving, mm-hmm. whether it's mm-hmm. some other partner or or whatever, um, to avoid that because. The time it takes, you know, the mistakes that can be made, and mm-hmm. the time it takes to ramp, and all those kinds mm-hmm. of things—they can be accelerated, or they can be. The pitfalls can be avoided mm. because you have you're surrounding yourselves with mentors and advisory support, and the right culture to yeah. help you avoid those. And that, and that's why you know organizations like Devink exist.
0: I love that. There's a quote that says, you want to go faster, you go alone. You want to go further, you go together. And That's therefore, I think definitely speaking for the powered up network, powered up community, powered up support, really, you know, how vital it is, especially for the early stage founders. With that present, I want to ask on the other side, right? What is, you know, one of the two things you see really, uh, really set our founder apart from the more, you know, more successful business versus others?
1: Yeah, I, I, I would say, I, the one, the, the one single thing I would say is the the founders and the co-founder team. Um, that is that is like the prop biggest differentiator because uh, the idea, you know, it could it may not be a great idea, right? But do those founders have the ability to understand and pivot, right? Do those founders have the ability to um, develop? connections and build team and build advisors and, mm. and really drive the business and execute. Do they have the persistence to drive mm-hmm. the grit? It's mm-hmm. the team. Mm-hmm. Right? Ultimately it is the team that makes the difference. I mean I could take great mm-hmm. ideas and a really terrible team. It's <laughs> not going to go very far. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can take a, a really great team with a social idea and mm-hmm. probably turn that into a great you know, something into something great.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But people want to work with them, people want mm-hmm. to help them, people want to see them be successful because mm-hmm. of the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've had a lot of examples of, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, uh where the team really in the mo- probably one of the most recent ones where the team actually basically stopped the idea that they came in with our program with, right? Mm-hmm. It's- Week program, and they stopped probably in week five, week six, wow. and their idea. Mm. And there is no, most folks wouldn't have been able to do that successfully, but those two co founders made it happen. Um, and the way they worked together, the way they worked with their mentors and advisors, and really mm-hmm. just took it and ran with it and made it happen. Mm. and uh, two black female founders um wow. and they just recently closed 1.2 million in wow. their pre-seed race right so they're like one of a hundred black women to raise more than a million dollars right and they almost they flipped it right and so the team is everything
0: incredible i love that comment right is. Oftentimes, people think it's that idea, is that next Facebook, next Google, but at the end of the day, it's all about people, not the ideas. I love that. Um, You know, with that um, person, I'm curious uh, what's next for you? What's next for Devink? What is uh, the future you want to see for Devink?
1: What do I want to see for? Devink? Devink,
0: yeah. So right now, you know, you has launched this for past two, three years. Right now has been, uh, you know, really create huge positive mark in Texas and beyond. So with that, what is the future you want to see for divink
1: <laughs> Yeah, so the, I mean, I think, um, you know, for me, the future is, you know, getting Devink um, strong, right, in order to continue to expand because we don't want to expand and not be able to support the expansion. And um, so we're focusing on that now. And then uh, over the next, you know, three to five years, I think you're going to see us go Mm -hmm. expand into other cities. How fast, how, you know, how fast we do that, how, you know, that just really kind of depends. But the intention is absolutely to expand. The other thing that I think you're going to see is that we're going to go deeper Mm -hmm. with our founders, meaning Mm -hmm. that um, we want to we're going to provide these resources Mm -hmm. to allow them to more successfully get to that seed stage. And when Mm -hmm. you get to that seed stage, you're you're pretty much on a good trajectory for the most part, Mm -hmm. Uh, not all said and done, but in a good trajectory. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. and I want Diving to be known as as the organization as the company that knows how to build successful companies founded by underrepresented founders that we get it right, we do it better than um, most other let's just let's just say it this way. The national statistics are what they are. I want people to see that Devink produces companies that outperform the national averages all over the country.
0: What do you think is that secret sauce for Divinc? Team. <laughs> team. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It's,
1: it's team, and we, mm. we are no different than any other startup, mm. really, right? Or mm. really, maybe any other company. I mean, we're five years old, we are. We, we act like a startup even though we are a nonprofit. Um, and when I say act like we, our mindset, we operate the nonprofit like it is a startup, okay? Um, meaning that we want sustainability, we want growth, right? Uh, we think about the culture We think about um, all of that. So the team that we put together, the culture that we have, not just internally, but also externally for our founders and our mentors, advisors, and investors, that is key for us. And and I think people buy in to the mission of DeVinc because the culture is genuine. It's authentic, right? And it's, you know... um, and, and, and we work really, really hard, right? We work hard for ourselves and we, we work hard for our founders and mentors, our board advisors. I mean, this is what we do. This is what we're about. Um, it's all about the team. And I've been blessed to have an awesome team.
0: Incredible. So without that President, I'm gonna circle back to you personally. What is your personal legacy you wanna leave on this planet?
1: <laughs> um, you had to get that question in there, didn't you? Um,
0: <laughs> I just have this, to. Ask. I mean,
1: this—you know—when I was doing Devine, when you know, doing Devine, and after leaving Dell, uh, honestly, I left Dell when um, my my career hadn't peaked yet, right? And I was making, you know, significantly more than what I was making. You know, maybe some people know, some people don't know, but I'm also a father of four children, married and father of four children. And um, at that time when I started DeVinc, all of them were at home. And for me to make the, that leap from Dow to to start DeVinc and to ask the family to sacrifice you know, based on that, even though they were, my children were probably too young to completely understand, but my wife certainly, a little bit of a change of a lifestyle, right? And also, Mm -hmm. um, it was going to be something that was going to take some time with no guarantees at the end, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, But this work that we're doing, this mission that that we're doing, this is without a doubt the hardest thing i've ever done professionally but also the most rewarding and most gratifying and um, and it fills my heart to be doing this to 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 be doing this mission so devink represents my legacy so what i leave behind you know for my for my children whether devink continues 10 15 20 25 years from now um that my children would, will know me more for for this mission and that's that's the legacy I want to leave behind them that you know we 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 can always make this place a better place
0: mm-hmm. for for everyone. I feel the love I feel the passion and this is wow president so beautiful well said um well, thank
2: you. Mm
0: -hmm. I want to ask, you know, President, you are someone who has such a passion. I love that you're able to just make a leap, right? At the moment that, you know, you see the gap and you're right, there's no guarantee. And this might be uh, something that will be wonderfully, wildly success, but we're not. You don't know that. But the fact that you just move forward because you're just really so cannot, you You just cannot do anything about it. There's a fire on your chest. You cannot mm-hmm. ignore it. And I love that you have such a integrity, such a passion, just say, you know what? I'm gonna just say yes. I'm gonna be the change I wanna see in the world and make a world a better place way how you see it. I love that about value. Um, President, I yeah,
2: have.
1: I appreciate I love- <laughs> that, thank you.
0: Truly, I'm really inspired and thank you. I don't say that lightly. And, and present, I'm curious, you know, one more question I have for you is, you know, today you are someone that, you know, is sort of a public figure, right? You have a lot of, um, you know, people know about you, whether it's, you know, your success at Dell or Devine and all the wonderful things you do advancing diversity. I'm curious, what is one thing that, you know, most people don't know about you, but you wish people know? What is the perception that, you know, most people may say, oh, I didn't think about present this way or that way, but I wish, ah, oh, that's who I am.
1: A lot of, I think most people would say, oh, Preston's is an extrovert. <laughs> and, uh, I'm that extrovert, like way on the other side of extrovert, like people might think, you know, like he's way over there. And I do like my home time. I, I would prefer just to prop up, you know, take it easy in the whole nine. So that's, that's one part of me, um, and I, I I love being around um, friends and 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 family. You know mm-hmm. that that sort of close circle. Mm-hmm. But then I also have this kind of weird side. I think I have to I have to uh, thank my wife for this, probably. Um, so we've done some somewhat somewhat adventurous stuff, right? And uh, most people would say, you know, if you guess, would Preston jump out of a plane to go skydiving? And most people were like, oh, hell no, Preston would not. Well, Preston has been skydiving. Uh, wow. Yes, he jumped out of a plane and uh, he's also used to ride motorcycles and, you know, yeah, he used to wow. work, get on there let it rock and roll. But um, I've also jumped off of a thirty. I guess it was about thirty three-story, two-story, three-story cliff into into some water. Uh, thank my daughter for that. She set me up, so I had to jump in front of a, a group of people off of like a three-story. Without cliff. any harness. Without anything. And my my swim skills are not all of that. So (laughs) wow. Yeah, so you know, not anything super crazy, but if people were to think about Preston, Mm. they wouldn't think about me in that context. But Mm.
2: yeah.
0: I I love that person. I think in Napole, each and every one of us as individual, we are diverse in our own way. Maybe one way I'm an extrovert, but on the other sudden I'm more introvert. Maybe it's one way I'm a little bit more concerned, but on the other way I'm more reserved. Like we all have a different flavor inside <laughs> of us, and that's who you are. And wow, yeah. I would not thought.
1: Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm going, I'm going down. That's what I'm taking with me. I've been <laughs> there, done that. I don't know what else is coming. We've done some oh, other crazy yeah. stuff, but not.
0: Wow. You know,
1: compared to some of my other friends, it's you know, it's okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Incredible, <laughs> incredible! Wow, President, did not see that coming, but wow, good to know. Um, my last question for you today, President, is um, what what is what is one thing that you wish? I mean, two questions, two part question. What is one thing you wish your younger version of yourself know? And the second part is, what is your advice for any you know new entrepreneurs uh, maybe is making about to make that first jump, about to jump off that cliff of whatever that looked like for her or for him? What would you say to them?
1: Well, for the younger myself, I mean, I gosh, I wish I wish I had been exposed to this world of tech entrepreneurship much earlier in life. Um, not because of the money or anything like that, but it's the mindset the mindset of of an innovator, the mindset of a problem solver, the mindset of, you know, you come up with an idea, go and solve it and build something Mm -hmm. that you can, right? Like, go do that. I was never really exposed to that as a young, I mean, I wasn't exposed to it too much later on. And, you know, I wish I had that Um, because I I think the mindset is is just different, right? And I and it, part of it might be culturally, or what you were surrounded with growing up. Because my parents weren't exposed to it, right, and so on and so forth. My, you know, my family was mostly educators. Uh, my mom's side was all educators, so innovation, tech that wasn't entrepreneur that wasn't there, and my father was just making his way, right. And uh, so I didn't get exposed to that, and I would love to have gotten that. Um, and then for for others, I, I think it's, it's sort of like the same, right? Because I know there's so many people out there that are just blown away with the whole startup ecosystem. They're like, whoa, right? But then even beyond that, you know, or, be, either beyond that or below that, whatever, is the whole concept of entrepreneurship. And not just tech entrepreneurship, but social entrepreneurship, right? Small business, it's the idea that you have something and you can go build a company, right? And you can create jobs and you can generate revenue, you can give back to the community that's amazing. I mean, that's you know, that's like life fulfilling thing to do, and not enough in the underrepresented communities get that, right? They don't. They don't get the the possibility of of that, right? And as result, the opportunities, they're rural. They're not a lot of a lot of people are not able to think Mm -hmm. really big Mm. as a result, because their world is really, really small Mm. and exposed to what's possible, Mm. just really exposing young people to more of what's possible Mm -hmm. without limiting their vision and let them know what's possible. That has got to happen. And I know it's it's a scary, scary thing, but we have to do that for our, for our mm. children, for the generations to come, because they have to know mm. that the world is their playground.
2: Mm.
1: Right? It's not the neighborhood is the playground, the world is their <laughs> playground.
0: I love that Preston. The world is your oyster as long as go sees it. And I really love about, you know, really, you know, truly thank you so much, personal being here today, not only sharing your insight, your journey and your authenticity, your integrity, but most importantly, I love that, you know, you can able to really being the change you want to see in the world, bring that possibility for our younger generation, our next generation of entrepreneurs. So helping him, helping her to see what is possible. So then they can really share their gift with the world. So then they can go build their startup and really bring all the amazing solution for the customer, for the world. So with that present, I am just so personally inspired and touched Thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoy our conversation. And also thank you everybody for tuning today. We hope you enjoyed today's session and we cannot wait to see you all next
2: week. Bye guys.
1: Thank you, thank you.